0: Hello and welcome to episode 236 of Retro Encounter, RPG Fan's weekly podcast of many topics. I'm Mike Solosi, and uh, I'm going to talk in the future tense a little bit first. Later this month, we are going to be podcasting about Mother 3, that Japan-only Game Boy Advance classic, and uh, I'm I'm currently playing that game now and I have a lot of thoughts, but I'm going to save those thoughts for the next, next episode. For the present... Playing Mother 3 made me want to talk about a great many other Game Boy Advance RPGs, so we're deciding to bring back an old f- format, talk about an entire console worth of games, and that console today is the Game Boy Advance. And so for today's special Game Boy Advance dedicated episode, joining me today is Leona McCallum. Hello. Tina Ola. Hi. And Pete Levitt. Hello there. So, gentlemen and ladies, uh, the Game Boy Advance was a huge success for Nintendo. It, it landed in uh, 99 or 2000, sold 80 million units, which is a lot. That's nice. uh, as the fourth most of any Nintendo console, and um, wow. it had a pretty good amount of coverage throughout the world. Uh, it, definitely, the days of having you know like impossible to find certain kinds of consoles in Latin America were behind us by then, and, and the <laughs> Game and the Game Boy Advance. I think it was a massive success. When I was uh, in high school or maybe late middle school, they were all over the place. So, uh um today's going we're going to talk about uh, our favorite GBA games, RPGs in particular. Uh anything is on the table other than Mother 3 because we're doing plenty of Mother 3 talk in the ne- <laughs> in the next 2 weeks. So, uh let's talk about our general backgrounds with the Game Boy Advance. Uh Leona, you go ahead and start.
1: Well, I know I was in primary school when it came out, which is about elementary school for you guys. Um, and every like, I remember my best friend had the 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 the, the not the SP, the you know the chunkier one,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and he was always playing it, and I was so jealous, and I went and begged my dad to buy me the SP when it just came out, and uh, I really really wanted the red one but I got the blue one, and I was very upset. No, I wasn't. I was very grateful just to have an SP. Uh, and so this was about, I don't know what year it was, but um, yeah, I got Pokemon uh, Ruby, and that was the, my first game that I played on it, and I played that nonstop.
0: <laughs> okay, Leona, I am going to not correct you but make a few addendums to what you said. I know okay. ex- I know exactly when the SP came out because it was two- okay. it was 2003 and uh-huh. I got and I got it that summer right after uh the the school year. Um uh-huh. be- because I had wanted the GBA for ages and I and I had even borrowed one of my friends for a little while. But I uh, the SP came out and it was backlit.
1: Yes, that was the major point because yeah. but Game Boys before then if the sun wasn't yeah, and the right possession you just couldn't see.
0: Yeah, because I I knew that people would complain about the lack of light on the GBA, mm-hmm. which I was familiar with since I had played uh, Game Boys many a time in the past. But this new one was had the uh, the flip design, the clamshell. It was, oh, that it, was so good. yeah, it was like it, a Poly Pocket. Yeah, and it was backlit. <laughs> it was okay. <laughs> Making a, a Polly Pocket or Mighty Max comparison <laughs> was not something I was going to think of, but here we are. Um, and I don't know uh, if uh, it's the same blue you're talking about, but the one I had was the, the cobalt color, which is like a nice, which is a bluish purple.
1: Yeah, it had this sort of shine, a glittery shine to it. It was really cool. I like that. Yeah, it. no, I,
0: I loved, I love that purple. I, I want a switch in that purple. So um, that'd be good. Or uh, uh, yeah, especially if it's like a sw- if it's like a switch light that's metallic again. Maybe with a oh. mat. Maybe with a matte finish, like a ds yeah. XL. Oh man. Okay, now now I'm getting. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, man. So get our money oh my. I, need, I think I need to take off my jacket. <laughs> um, so are but, you guys aware that
3: the first the first SP that came out was actually front lit, like it was still lit. So way way better than the original GBA. Uh, but the yeah. first one was front lit, and then they had a second revision that was like a proper backlit. Really nice screen.
0: Yeah, it, I mean, front lit in that it had some LEDs like underneath the screen that would shine up from the bottom, which yeah, uh, which was better than nothing, but still it made, was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, but, but still made some games that had a little bit uh, dark tints, um, a little bit challenging to deal with. And one in particular I want to bring up later. But um, uh, um, Pete, around when did you get your first GBA, and what was uh, what was your early impression? Well, it wasn't
3: long after the original was released. Was that two thousand one? And um, I got Advance Wars with it, which was the real superstar, and um, Iridium 3D. You guys remember that? It was a launch, like it was like a basically a top-down shooter, but it had like they had some graphical like sprite scaling tricks. It looked neat, but it was pretty. I don't know, but anyway, I played a lot of uh, Advance Wars, Iridium 3D, not so much. Um, but uh, yeah, I I just that thing that was probably my I, I never had a game boy or anything so that was my first
0: oh, wow.
3: game system oh game i
0: i definitely had one of those gray bricks of a game boy oh
3: yeah god the game boy what a time i grew up in a house we had so we had a sega master system so I like i have vague memories of like fantasy star or whatever but we mm-hmm. we always would if we got a game console in our house it was rented it was like you got good yeah. grades so you can rent a Super Nintendo or something.
0: My first system was a Game Boy um, in probably 91 or 92. And uh, I eventually did start to get consoles and diversify a little bit. But I've always had an, atten- an attachment in the ten- to uh, Nintendo handhelds. And um, I, I, I think uh, it couldn't have been that long ago. I guess it was spring of 2018. I pulled out the old SP again to play uh, uh, Minish Cap for Retro Encounter. And it still worked fine. <laughs> so so th- th- that uh game boy that i got in the summer of 03 or may- maybe it was maybe it was uh, early fall of 03 was still working 15 years later that yeah makes- that's
1: yeah, no
3: engineering mm-hmm. yeah those are graces and the battery keeps it charged forever i got an sp later and so i don't even know it's used i don't even know how like i got it probably three or four years ago so i and- don't know how it was used before and it still is great so
0: i i still don't know how this happened but um uh, my old game, going back in time a little bit my old Game Boy, the giant grey brick I had it in a hoodie or a jacket or something and it got uh, it left in the washing machine and, oh. and oh I was God. I was. when I realized what happened I uh, like the, the clothes were in the dryer and I was crying I was sure that my Game Boy had been destroyed but it came out clean and still working
1: Oh, great. There Excellent. you go, Excellent. So you want to clean your SP, just throw it in the washing machine. Oh, I
0: do not officially endorse that. <laughs> this, this definitely happened more than 20 years ago, and it was not an SP. But, uh, but uh, Tina, what was your first uh, Game Boy Advance machine, and what do you remember something uh, you played on it early on?
2: So, I never actually had a Game Boy Advance. Okay.
0: All right. So you know what this episode is, right, Tina? Yeah. Oh, okay.
2: But I bought a Game Boy Player that plays the Game Boy Advance games. Right, and yeah. The Game Boy Color Games the same time I bought my GameCube. And mm-hmm. I think that was Christmas or my birthday around the year when it came out.
0: I, I have no earthly idea when that came out. I got, I got one many, many years late. Yeah. So um, you
2: played all
3: your G- Game Boy Advance games, like sitting in front of a TV. That's really kind of hardcore and awesome.
2: Yeah, there were a couple I played on DS later. But otherwise Gosh. like all of my early ones were on the TV.
0: If you played that on a projector or on a like a seventy inch screen, each pixel is probably the size of a golf ball.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and my first game was Sword of Mana, and oh. I loved it.
0: Hmm. I um I never finished Sword of Mana. I have I have played Final Fantasy Adventure, the game that it's a uh it's a remake of. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that is, and that's a dope little Game Boy game. I love that game, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you you can play it shiny and new on the uh, Switch Mana Collection, which came out uh, last year worldwide. If you like, yeah, sort of. Mana. There was um there was a bunch of remakes on the Game Boy Advance. Just I I know that uh, uh Tales of Phantasia, one of my favorite Super Famicom uh games that I emulated, got a terrible GBA remake. Uh, several several years later, there was five Final Fantasy games remade on the GBA uh probably more that I'm for, uh, forgetting um oh yeah Zelda link to the past to a GPA remake so so it was a machine ripe for remakes it wasn't exactly the first time that we had started remaking games or anything but uh, I, I rebought oh geez at least six or seven games on that thing but uh... What we're going to do for most of this episode is basically just jump around the GBA library and talk about our memories and our likes and dislikes. Mostly likes because we like to stay positive here uh, unless a certain series or two comes up that I deliberately left off the list.
3: Hopefully not the one that I just threw back on. Oh, no. I I thought you
0: were were talking about Main of Chimberies. (laughs) So, yeah, we have a big list in a Google Doc here. We're going to jump around it a little bit, and um, basically when I start to get tired or hungry or cranky, we'll end the episode. So, Tina, um, go through the list, and uh, what's something that you think we absolutely must talk about?
2: Uh, Final Fantasy Tactics
0: Advance. All right. Thank you. Final Fantasy Tactics Advance, when it came out, I was a little bit surprised to learn it wasn't exactly a sequel to the Final Fantasy Tactics I knew and loved on the PS1. It's not a story with, you know, uh, that's a high, in a high fa- fantasy setting in Ivalice. Um In FF Tactics Advance, you're a group of school children who find a book that transport you to a Final Fantasy-themed land where all of the children are heroes or royalty or adventurers. Oversimplifying it a lot, some of the students want to go back to the real world and some don't. But it, uh, But from there, it's a... Really cool, diverse uh, strategy RPG with uh, different races of characters in and in a semi-traditional Final Fantasy job system. Some, uh, you know, isometric uh, 2D, 2D plane uh, strategy gameplay that can get real fancy. So, so um, Tina, what's something that you remember loving about FFTA?
2: Well, I love the gameplay. I thought it was really, really fun. There's lots to do. I wasn't too impressed with the story, though. I just thought it was, like, so simple compared to the original Final Fantasy Tactics.
3: I'll 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 jump in and say a word about that. I always avoided this game, even having the opportunity to perhaps play it, because I'd always heard it was like a lesser Final Fantasy Tactics. Mm-hmm. And it's, but that that being the case, I still think that Advance stands on its own in a lot of ways. First of all, that beginning part where you are uh, the school kid uh, and you're meeting all his friends, and there are some like cutscenes going through the town you're in is incredibly charming in a way that i was not expecting it's got a really amazing look it's got these old kind of like classic looking like like classic american looking cars parked on the road and it's got a serious charm and uh there were even some things in the fantasy world that i i I thought were kind of ominous i i just started playing it i'm at the very beginning still but I thought, I'd heard of the judge system. The fact, I, I had no idea. I'd never heard that there were actually units on the battlefield. And them being there seemed really ominous to me. <laughs> and I feel, I don't know if this is true, but I feel like it's, it gives um, an opportunity for some potentially dark stuff later on.
1: Well, a lot of people have issues with the judges and like laws in general in that game. And find them quite frustrating uh i wasn't one of them i've always liked the laws because it kind of like made you change up your strategy a little bit you know if i
3: think it's magic, incredible
1: yeah. if white magic was banned then it's like oh what do i do to get around the fact I can't heal you know it's kind of interesting
2: yeah i liked uh, it too
1: yeah i liked it and actually final fantasy tactics advanced i had played before i played tactics so oh <laughs> i had no idea that it had like not a bad reputation but people were like oh it's not as good or whatever but i thoroughly enjoyed it um the story uh, isn't as um, dark or political as uh, tactics is but it definitely is it makes up for it in charm i think the char- the characters are all so charming and mm. the, the the world feels so interesting and it's like it feels like a place you'd really just like enjoy spending a lot of time in so I really enjoyed it for that. And also, I think the gameplay is better than Tactics, but don't tell anyone that. Oh. <laughs>
0: yeah. well, you, well, you just told three people, so mission failed. <laughs> no, but... we, we, cut,
1: we, we cut that out the episode. Yeah. Anyone <laughs> listening to this podcast,
0: don't tell anyone else, okay?
1: Yeah, okay, this is all between us.
0: Well, uh, Tina mentioned that some people find this to be lesser than the original Final Fantasy Tactics, and Leona mentioned that some people find the judge system... Uh, frustrating or annoying, and I am in the center of that Venn diagram. <laughs> um, I, uh, I I did finish Tactics Advance mostly because I just I just love playing RPGs handheld, and uh, the, what what the GBA offered was so far beyond the RPG offerings of the mm-hmm. Game Boy Advance or Game Boy Color. Um, yeah, game. yeah, exactly. But uh, and and I did beat Final Fantasy Tactics Advance, and and the the story actually takes a, a darker, more interesting turn near the very end, like the last twenty five percent or so, but. I, I didn't like that there was uh, class and armor restrictions to different races. I uh, I thought the judge like the judges basically sit on the battlefield like referees, and will uh, punish you if they if you break one of the rules that they said at the beginning. And um, there are some judgeless maps later on, but they're in uh, like wasteland areas where. Uh, protective measures like people being able to be revived in combat uh, are gone so if, if you play in, in the field without a judge you can have people uh, you can have firmer death enacted to a degree so awesome. yeah, yeah. So, so there's like there's wrinkles and twists that FF tactics advance offers and sometimes it's cool like it's giving you a condition that turns a battle into a puzzle sometimes but it also I, I also felt restricted by it it's like it's like why it's like why can't I make This character an elementalist. Why did I spend um, so much time leveling up uh, this black mage, and suddenly uh, all spells are banned? I didn't like it when restrictions were placed on me more than I liked the idea of the extra elements that the judges added. And, and the judges are like much cartoonier, chocobo-riding versions of Final mm-hmm. Fantasy 12 judges. Uh yeah. like, like judges are like uh, are like um army like very very intimidating army captains and a uh, a lot of the major bosses in FF12. And uh, and I think that this was developed alongside FF12 and some other games as part of like the East Alliance um yeah. uh movement in the mid 2000s. But uh, like like the, uh, FF Tactics Advance is good, but I um I had quibbles with it, and it wasn't the FF tactics I wanted. Uh, yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go next here. I think we'll talk about a game that was much closer to the FF tactics I wanted. Um, tactics Ogre, the Knight of Lotus is the only tactics ogre game I've finished. I've played a bunch of them. I, I guess I played all the ones that are in English, but uh, this is the only one I actually finished. And I really, really loved it because it was closer to a Final Fantasy Tactics game than FF Tactics Advance was to me. Yeah, um, it, it's a, it's it's still isometric with uh, some in the mostly two D environment, but it's a, a more traditional sort of high fantasy story. Uh, the, all, most of the main characters are human, but you can get real weird with the class system and then turn people into undead or angels, yeah. or 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 summoner summoner witches. Uh, and it, its story is pretty cool It's a, it sort of takes place on an island that's to the off to the east coast of a main, of a large continent where there's a war taking place and both sides of the war and the church and other elements all sent expeditions to this island because there's a secret under it that they think might be able to turn the tide of the war on the mainland and that quote war on the mainland is the subject of the larger ogre saga <laughs> in, in, yeah. Og- in Ogre Battle and Tactics Ogre and Ogre Battle 64
1: so yeah, this is like a little side story that's going on. Yes, it
0: is a very much a guide end chapter, and I really, really liked it. It was again more straightforward than Tactics Advances. I don't think uh, like spell spell casting doesn't get much more complicated than you can have three or four summoners and archery. Archery is really good, uh, <laughs> and it does have a tie in to the main uh, ogre battle story. I uh, oh shoot, I forget if it's ogre battle or tactics ogre, but the big twist at the end. Of Knight of Lotus is that one of the main characters sort of manages to escape the conflict, changes his name, and that's the name of a ma- of a major character in the in the other Ogre Battle games.
3: Would it be Destin Debonair? Maybe I'm just taking a shot in the dark.
0: Here. I don't remember what it was. I would have to look it up. Uh, I'm so, playing
3: so much Ogre Battle '64 right now, so it's like it's I, th- not, I think I th- it. I sure.
0: think it. I think it ties into Let Us Cling Together. But let's um.
1: Uh, that game I keep restarting because I think I'll finish it, but then I always give up about halfway through.
0: Which one, Let Us Clean Together or Knight of Lotus? Knight of Together. Lotus. Uh, so, has anyone else played the, uh, played this game?
1: I played it. I don't remember a lot of the finer details, but I remember enjoying it. It was many, many years ago um, when I was looking for more Final Fantasy Tactics advanced type games to play.
0: <laughs> um, so yeah, Final Fantasy Tactics Advance and Tactics Ogre: Knight of Lotus, two really, really good strategy RPGs on the GBA. Uh, uh Leona, what's a game from this list that you think we need to discuss?
1: Let's talk about Final Fantasy V.
0: Oh, alright.
1: Uh, Final Fantasy V was on the GB was the first chance I got to play this one, because like it didn't come out on the SNES originally.
0: And and the, the UK didn't get the uh PS1 anthology version? Not to my knowledge. Well that doesn't matter because the GBA version is the best one.
1: Uh I it was definitely my first chance getting to play it and I, I love this game and it was it's got such, this is where the job system really started for like main line Final Fantasy, job, like job switching becoming a thing.
0: Well, um it, it was in Final Fantasy 3 but, uh yeah. but, but like every time you change jobs in FF3 you had to you, you had a stat penalty until a certain number yeah. of, of battles and there was not near a good version of it. <laughs> yeah, no there, there was much there was much more power and freedom in the ff five system, which is which is an an awesome job system. But yeah, please continue.
1: Yeah, no, this I think this game's good. The, the the plot is a bit long, I think, sometimes. It's not it's definitely not a focus on the plot, I think. It's a very generic sort of fantasy story. And they t- until you go to different planets and stuff, but That's just Final Fantasy in a nutshell. It has a main character death, which is pretty interesting. Um, But yeah, I just love um, job switching and um, using characters, uh, like different abilities they've learned and mashing them together. It's always fun to do that, make your own sort of little combinations that works for you. And a lot of iconic jobs got started in this game. Has anyone else played this?
0: Oh, oh, I, I, I adore FF Five. Um, yeah. I, I started playing it on an. Uh, I, I think, it came out for the PlayStation One in North America, but I didn't have a PS One at the time. This is that was probably ninety seven mm-hmm. or ninety eight or ninety nine. Um, but I, I played this on an emulator around two thousand or two thousand one, and I really, really liked it. When the GBA came, version came out, I picked it up, and it's a uh, much better translation than the pretty bad PS One version. <laughs> I'll I was like gonna say
3: that it, off the top of my, off the top of my head, the GBA version of this game is probably the best way to go. it is
0: no I, I i agree uh it, it adds a few um end game optional uh things. It has the best translation available in English. It looks way better than the weird glossy steam version Aww. that uh which I think also was released on mobile.
1: Yeah, same can be said for Final
0: Fantasy Fancy Sex. Great version on GBA. Gray yeah, gray
1: version. version on GBA. Terrible version on Steam.
0: <laughs> no, but, but, um, but you're right. There are a couple things that I think were introduced in the first time in FF5. I think it's the first one with blue magic. It's, uh, I, I think, the first one with a proper... That's that
3: rude magic that you don't want your kids listening to. <laughs>
0: mm. And
3: didn't and,
2: the white mage have a little outfit with cat ears or something
0: Uh, yes, um, a couple characters, when they, when you, when you you give them the white mage job, they have cat ears, and they're, but that's also based on the, uh, there's two white mage classes in FF3, and one of them has cat ears. Oh. Uh, it's, it's called devout, usually. But the, uh, but, but yeah, when one of the characters equips white mage in FF5, they have little cute cat ears on their hood. I love that. Um, but it's, it's also nice that it had, like, customizable sprites, because there's, there's five main characters. And when every character equips, say White Mage, they look different. Like the, the way their robes are presented or what their headgear is is a little different. And so yeah. like even just seeing the the customization differences when you equip character different jobs, like uh, like like um uh butts and galoof look completely ridiculous as dancers. <laughs> which 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 just obviously want, want want uh excuse me, which obviously made me want them to be dancers all the time.
1: Yeah. Sometimes it was fun just throwing them in a job just
3: to see what their outfit is. Oh yeah, no, it's a, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, all the it's, unique it's fa- f- are real nice.
0: Oh yeah, it's a, it's a fashion show playing around with the job system in this game, <laughs> yeah. and the, uh, and the art book that came with, uh, well, it uh, didn't come with it, but there's an art book for Final Fantasy V that you can find online, and it has like uh, small drawings of every character and every job that I really enjoy perusing through.
1: Oh, that would be so fun to look at.
0: Mm-hmm. There's a online charity that happens every summer called uh, Four Job Fiesta which oh yeah uh, yeah which is uh people playing through FF5 with some ridiculous rules in place
3: Yeah um, they they put the jobs in a randomizer right and
0: Yeah that you get one job per crystal and uh and... you uh slightly simplifying it you're only allowed to use those four jobs the whole game and there are certain other conditions where you can break that rule but the no. uh but I, I did it a couple times in the I don't know, late 2000s, early 2010s, and it was fun all every time. I've beaten FF5 probably four or five times, but the GBA version is the best version. It's also the only one with, uh, with Necromancer and Cannoneer, which are two really crazy late-game jobs invented for the GBA version. Uh, th-
3: that uh, five-job Fiesta charity is a real testament not only to the generosity in general in the gaming community, but also just how great Final Fantasy V is. You can play that game with any combination of jobs or tools and there's a way through it. It's yeah. it's a really fantastically designed game.
1: I think someone also made um I don't know if it's a mod or if it was part of like some version of the game, but like you know in Luffy 2 they had the ancient cave where mm-hmm. it's a sort of roguelike version of it. Someone made that. Oh wow. For v. Uh, and so it's like finding jobs and equipment and travelling through the cave. It's really fun.
0: I mean you're you already almost get that in FF5 because the last dungeon has you teleporting between different dungeon types and the optional dungeon is one of those oh shoot like one of those weird semi random things that uh that, that company that made all of those remakes sort of always includes the version of that in the uh, FF1 on GBA is pretty obnoxious I got, I got it made me more tired of that game than it should have than it should have yeah. been. but it's, uh,
3: wor- it's usually not worth going
0: into those weird optional things But uh, FF5's version of that added four classes, so you bet your ass I was doing that optional thing this time. Okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, It was was Oracle, Cannoneer, Necromancer, and one I'm forgetting. Uh, Oh, Gladiator, Gladiator, yeah. I think Um,
1: there's an Oracle in Final Fantasy Tactics Advance 2, and they have the little cat ears on their... Well, oh
0: yeah. Well, it's it's different from the FF Tactics One Oracle because those are those are called uh, uh, like like Taoists or uh, or yeah. Onmi, or Onmios in Japanese. No, it's the
1: Seer. It's the Seer. Sorry. Okay. Seer in FF Tactics Advance.
0: That might be the same as the one in FF Five because that is what they're sort of setting up to be like a, yeah like, like like future magic attacks and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't remember FF Tactics Advance well enough to 100 percent confirm that. But uh, um Pete, you haven't picked yet. What's a uh, game on the list that you definitely want to check over?
3: I might as well do the big one and do the Fire Emblem series. Um, I've played uh, the seventh and eighth one, which are here, the releases Fire Emblem and Fire Emblem, the Sacred Stones. Mm-hmm. And th- that is just such an engrossing game. I mean, I don't know if Fire Emblem needs an introduction uh, it, with this crowd, but um, <laughs> the GBA ones are, 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 Really, really, really good and it's uh it's definitely worth your time to, to go through those. The tactics are really strong. The permadeath element obviously is much talked about. It's really good. Um they're very challenging. Not quite as challenging as some of the other Fire Emblem games we've seen in the past, but uh so you know it's a good middle ground to make sure that you got your thinking cap on, but not without being so terribly frustrating um the maps are a little bit smaller than in some of the console games which is perfect for the format yeah um i have one issue though maybe you guys can help me justify this uh i, I if there's something i don't like in a game or that doesn't immediately make sense i'm really good at justifying it or like writing it off in my mind with some explanation But uh, there are units in Fire Emblem that can attack from two squares away or three squares away, depending on if they have a certain item. They're like the archers and the mages, right? Mm -hmm. And the thing about both Fire Emblem and Sacred Stones is that there are many maps that take place indoors. So they're like inside a castle or whatever. And it always bothered me. Not even I can justify (laughs) how an archer can shoot through a wall to the other side (laughs) and hit somebody. Yeah,
1: they the, they aren't actually they're like they're
3: like chest-high walls.
0: <laughs> yeah, basically every building in Fire Emblem is kind of like a hedge maze yeah. where they where the walls only go up yay far. No roof. Uh, no and uh, and and you can you can easily curve shots around corners just like the Angelina Jolie film Blunted. wanted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, so, but basically, that's the logic you need to put in place here. Uh, I, this, the Game Boy Advance, is what got me into Fire Emblem. Like, I was aware that Martha and Roy and Smash Brothers Melee were from Fire Emblem, and that was a Japanese thing. But mm-hmm. when we got the first Fire Emblem that came out worldwide, which was again Fire Emblem Seven, uh, just labeled as Fire Emblem uh, in North America, when it came out, I had had the GBA for less than a few months, and uh, I heard it was, you know, a, a strategy RPG like FF Tactics. So I did get it probably less than a year after it came out, uh, but I, I fell in love almost instantly, and because around that time, again this is 03 or 04, uh, around that time I was in an old hand at emulating things, and I enjoyed Fire Emblem 7 so much that I, when I heard it was the seventh one of them, I went and emulated uh, Fire Emblem 6, which is also GBA, and Stars Roy, uh, who, you, who you might have heard of, and, uh, and also one of the Super Famicom ones, uh, Genealogy of the Holy War. Fire Emblem six seven eight as sort of as a trilogy are yeah, are, are really good and you can see the design ideas pretty in each of them too like going in order six seven to eight they each get a little bit less challenging because with each one you get more character building freedom and and just higher stats in general like like an average character in Fire Emblem eight will have just higher stats than the character in Fire Emblem six because that's just the way that their design philosophy went. But all, all three of them are good. Uh, Fire Emblem 6 stars Roy, uh, who's trying to um, defeat an evil empire. Fire Emblem 7 is, uh, stars Roy's father, Ellawood, and, uh, and, and a lot and of. Lynn. A, yeah, a lot, well, and Lynn and Hector. And a lot of characters yep. are parents or grandparents of Fire Emblem 6 characters. And yep. it is still a raging debate to this day uh, who Roy and Lilina's parents might be and whether, whether Lynn is the answer to either of those. Uh, well, we know that uh, Roy is Ellawood's son and Lilina is Hector's daughter, but who the mother is is very much up for debate. And yeah. uh, but um, and Fire Emblem: The Sacred Stones or Fire Emblem Eight is is set in a different continent, so it's a, a separate story from six and seven. But it's still really good. Uh, there's an uh, there's a, a demon horde an undead horde that's plaguing the land. Uh, the main characters are twins named Ephraim and Erika, and mm-hmm. the, they realize that the sorcerer that is uh, behind the evil army is their childhood friend so they so they're determined to save their kingdom uh because they're a prince and a princess but also uh but also like like bring their friend uh, their old friend to his senses
1: yeah you also but, have a branching path with each of the twins halfway through the game
0: correct yeah and uh yeah. um and in Fire Emblem 8 each each character not not just the royalty ones or or at least most of them have uh branching paths with their unit upgrades yeah it's a, that's very common in, in a modern one like Awakening onwards but in it was a big deal that your uh uh, you know that your thief could become a rogue or an assassin. <laughs>
3: Why would you ever become
0: the a rogue? answer? Is, is
3: an yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, the answer
1: They're
3: is summoners. You make th- high-level high level assassins one-shot anybody. It's uh, it's incredible. And yeah. you you get
0: it. You get a pre-promote rogue in that game anyway. So you really don't need uh no. a uh, to to make the thief in that game a rogue. You really don't.
3: Uh, one little detail about sacred stones. Um, That I think is really cool is it's the first time I have ever seen in this series uh, the Summoner class, which lets you summon, like, a normal soldier-type unit with 1 HP, so you can just, like, send little uh, kind of 1 HP soldiers in to just do damage and get killed. It's pretty awesome.
0: But, But druids have so much better stats like so much better
3: yeah it's not all about the stats you grognards come on sometimes it's about <laughs> the cool things and the fun uh,
0: yeah and the druid also looks cooler than the summoner I, all, I, I, all I, I,
3: right that's that's okay we can i will give you that one mm-hmm. glad that we
0: agree druid's better than summoner okay <laughs> so, Yep. so uh yeah the, the fire emblem oeuvre on the gba is really good and if you don't mind uh Googling, no other advice given. You can find the uh, the Fire Emblem game starring Roy uh, with with full translations in English uh, for a GBA emulator. But I'm not. You mean you
3: mean to read about it? Read about people who may have played it on emulators. That's sure, I,
0: mean. I didn't totally write two blog posts on it in the in the 2010s. <laughs> went through Fire Emblem six twice, but the first time I went through, I went through, I missed one Gaiden chapter. And uh, because as you play through the game, there's seven or eight special chapters that unlock with, specials, uh, with special rules, and, if you, and if you, every time you beat one of those chapters, you get one of the sacred weapons. At the very end of the game, you only unlock the final couple maps, and you get the best ending if you have all, I think it's eight, sacred weapons. But a couple of them you get automatically, A couple, of, uh, but mo- most of them you need to get in these guided chapters. So when I realized that, and it was far too late to go back, I was a little dejected, and this is this in the early or mid-2000s, like, oh, like like, oh, four, oh, five range, uh, but then I, I decided to replay the game many, many years later, uh, in the 2010s, and used guides to make sure I, w- I wouldn't miss any guide in chapters, and, uh, it was more challenging, and I, I probably could not have gotten there without guides, but I, I did get the best ending in Fire Emblem, uh, the Sword of Seals, uh, it's fun and rewarding, but I still think the I still think the middle one of that trilogy is the best the 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 Ellie Wood, Lynn Hector one. I agree.
1: Yeah, I think so as well. Though Sacred Stones will have a place in my heart as my first one. So.
0: Oh, nice. I always
1: S- played Erica.
0: Seth is a really good Jagan character too. He's one of the. He's oh
1: yeah, one, he's he's the best one. Yeah, he, he he's <laughs> one
0: of the best paladins in the in the whole series. I I, yeah. I really liked him.
1: You can just beat the whole game with him. It's
0: fine. If not the whole game at least at least a lot of it but because he's because yeah. he's a good ass paladin but uh, but anyway okay enough to talk about fire emblem games we've we've podcasted about fire emblem many times on this one sometimes even about fire emblem pop music uh, <laughs> a, m- a month or two ago uh leona what's another one that we should tackle let's do pokemon <laughs> all right
1: yay <laughs> love me some pokemon yeah i think i mentioned the first like Game Boy Advance, that game I got was Pokemon Ruby. Um, I was already a big Pokemon fan before that, of course. I played Pokemon Red and Blue and Gold and Silver on the Game Boy. So I was very excited to have Pokemon Ruby. Um, and I love the Gen 3 holds a special place in my heart. It's a really great uh, generation and it's a lot of um, new things were introduced like the separation of special and physical attacks
0: oh that's right um i think the physical special split happened in gen four but gen three they introduced pokemon abilities for the first time
1: oh that's right abilities that's what that's what it
0: was yes because i I remember gen four was the physical special split within types but gen three introduced abilities which is still huge
1: yes still huge abilities you know obviously changed the game a lot oh yeah every pokemon has its own ability and Sometimes they greatly change the pokemon, sometimes you know they're bit you never even notice they're there. It really depends on the pokemon.
0: Yeah, I, I think my maybe my favorite example of this, sticking to to gen 3 things, I guess. Um uh Medicham, its special ability is that its attack is fully doubled at all times. Yeah, so <laughs> so it it, it, it it gets that can be like hundreds of extra um points into one stat. While uh also from gen 3 Slacking skips every other turn. Yeah, because it has so, slack yeah. off ability. Yeah, because it has the the terrible uh, truant ability. So, like, yeah, abilities yeah. complete can completely ch- change the complexion of a Pokemon, and it was a really cool addition in general.
1: Oh yeah, it was very exciting to be like, oh, I caught a new Pokemon. What's their ability? And then you find it's like run away or something. <laughs> Uh, but Gen Three also had the 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 red and blue remix on it, leaf green and fire red, mm-hmm. which were really started off. You know, we 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 we're pretty much resigned to the fact we're going to get a remake of every generation until we start remaking the remakes. Is it? Uh, is,
0: well, I mean, we already remade a remake, remade a remake with the Let's Go games in a way.
1: Yeah, yes, that's true. We're already started. <laughs> But they were really good remakes. I think my favorite remake was uh, the next ones that came out, and uh, Soul Silver and Heart Gold. They were really oh, yeah. good remakes.
0: But these I'm ones agreed. were really good as well. Uh, Tina, when we mentioned Pokemon, I heard you let out a little yip. Did you play the Gen Three Pokemon games?
2: So I have only actually played the remake for uh, 3DS, I think. Or was it Omega Ruby?
0: Yeah, I'm um, uh, Alpha Sapphire and Omega Ruby. Right. So how yeah.
2: different is that from the original? I'm curious.
1: Um main plot mostly the same then it kind of like adds a whole bunch to it.
0: yeah and the the online is way better uh like there's they they add a few extra details and wrinkles with every city uh just and the pokemon combat will feel much more modern but mm-hmm. uh but, but the GBA ones are good i have a weird personal history with pokemon around this time around 0607 i my summer job was being a night watchman and I, I had a GBA, and I said, you know what, I haven't played a Pokemon game since Gold, so I'll get one of the third-gen Pokemon games. And I ended, I ended up getting Leaf Green. And I played the bejesus out of out of Leaf Green, and had a file that was almost complete when Pokemon Diamond came out. So I, w- I got really, really into, dim- in the, into the Gen 4 Diamond Pearl generation, but realized when I was doing endgame stuff, wait a second, there's a bunch of Pokemon I can only capture... <laughs> If I have a Gen 3 uh, cartridge in the GBA slot, <laughs> so <laughs> so I ended up buying four out of the five games in that Gen. I I have uh, I, I had at different times copies of Ruby, Emerald, Fire Red, and Leaf Green, because uh, there's only one Pokemon I needed from Sapphire, and that was Lunatone. I can't believe I remember this. I enjoyed Gen 3, but I the one I played the most was Leaf Green, and then I used the other ones to farm Gen 3 Pokemon and transfer them to Diamond. <laughs>
1: My dedication
0: but yeah I, I had a lot of fun with those um i think the starters in gen 3 are really good like like who out there doesn't love one of uh like swamp swampert or blaziken for real i heard you like mudcaps mm-hmm. and a meme was born yeah
1: pikachu's still my favorite
0: <laughs> pikachu's a cutie i'm pretty sure you can beat him with a good ground pokemon <laughs> Yeah, isn't
1: this game all about beating them?
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, once again we're talking about My Dugtrio can kick your Pikachu's ass <laughs> Ow, Pikachu, plug your, advantage. your ears
1: advantage. Of course
0: it can mm-hmm.
1: Well, maybe not Ash's Pikachu
0: Maybe Ash's Pikachu breaks the rules a little bit So does Ash's Greninja
1: Yeah, Ash isn't afraid to play Darty eh?
0: <laughs> Man, I was blown away when Ash actually won a tournament in the in the anime a year or two ago Do you remember that? so proud of her boy it, it made news cycles that ash won a damn pokemon tournament <laughs> instead of play, replaying rocky one over and over where he loses in the final match but uh, but at least made friends along the way he rash finally gets his rocky three moment where he uh, where he you know like 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 triumphs over superior opponents yeah so pete that's your pick next what's something we got to discuss
3: um we can go a little bit out of the main kind of stream a little bit uh and talk about uh this awesome game Boktai. Uh it was uh le- led by one Hideo Kojima. Mhm. And it is a game whose cartridge has a solar sensor on it, which the is great.
0: The game that where he made you play outside.
3: Yes. He he wanted you to play outside so bad, and so it was perfect for that old, uh, you know, GBA that had no light on the screen. But I, I honestly, that's usually what people talk about with this game, and they stop right there, and it's a disservice because the game is awesome. uh You are a, va- a vampire hunter, and you're you have a solar gun that's powered by the sun. And so you have to let your sensor actually see your physical real world sun to recharge your weapon. And, um, it's, it's an action RPG because you level up your gun and, but it's also, a a bit of an action, like a, it's got some stealth elements. There's definitely some Koji Kojima isms. There's like, uh, leaning up against the wall and tapping on the wall to call like enemies over to you to make them investigate the sound. And, uh, there's some decent puzzles in it. The combat is actually pretty cool. It's a nice isometric kind of run and gun shooter. It's got really great bosses that are all kind of a different kind of vampire. They have cool attack patterns. It's fun to learn them. But the thing is once you defeat the boss, you they they show up in a coffin. And you have to attach a chain to the coffin and slowly drag it out of the dungeon. So all the while, you're still beset by the enemies that you faced before. But you're walking at like half speed, dragging the coffin like old Django or something. And it's just so atmospheric and so cool. And you have to take it outside to this... uh, It almost looks like a pentagram. It's like some symbol on the some crop circle thing or whatever on the ground. And you have to do this in the daytime. Um... Because you have to then banish their soul forever using yeah, you, solar energy.
0: Yeah, you need to use an exposure ritual to defeat them permanently.
3: And so it, it's like another boss battle where they're trying to escape the coffin. And another cool thing is if you leave their coffin alone too long when you're supposed to be dragging it out, they can like escape. The coffin starts to shake and shudder, mm-hmm. and I think
0: they escape. Isn't that right, Mike? I, they, I think they regenerate while they're in their coffin. And if you don't take it uh, to the pentagram in time, then they escape. I only played the first one a little bit, but now I understand better, now that I know Spaghetti Westerns a little better, I totally get why the second one was called Solar Boy Django, even right. though even though I, uh, I I never played that one. Uh, but yeah, it, it is kind of wild that um, Hideo Kojima leaving his Metal Gear Solid bubble uh, will, <laughs> to make a... A sort of goofy, colorful uh, GBA action game that has you holding the back of the cartridge up to the sunlight. <laughs> Was it you.
2: possible to even finish these if you didn't take them outside?
0: It, uh, probably not, because it, really, it's um, you you need it for that ritual. If you yeah. had if you had a certain kind of lamp, I think you could, but it, it would. <laughs> yeah. it, but it, it a regular light bulb wouldn't work. It had to be a. Uh, Oh, I I'd have to look it up. To, like you could you could find an online guide to the best lamp to emulate the sun uh it has clip some, for this so, game. It has some yeah, I was I really
2: curious about these, but I only had the game Boy player, so Yeah, oh, that's right. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah, what you, you got what you got
0: to do is you got to have the like your, the cord from the Q- GameCube to the TV go all the way up to the window and maybe like set up a system of mirrors. <laughs> to, <laughs> to have it to have yeah. it like to have it shine directly in the GameCube's face like it's Joe Briath or something. It's like a portal puzzle. I
1: have, I have a problem. I live in Scotland, and we never get the sun. Oh, and that's right. Up.
0: Oh and no! If, if you lived in if you lived in Alaska, you probably could play this game, but only four months out of Half the year. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, if you are privileged enough to to live in a place where you can get the sun and play this game, it's <laughs> honestly like on a system that had like Castlevania games and stuff. This is still one of the most atmospheric and singularly just unique games. That's also awesome. It doesn't just live and die by how unique it is. It's a really cool game. It's a lot of fun to play. It's kind of creepy, you know, you're taking this coffin out into the sun and fighting it and mm-hmm. it's like shaking around trying to fight you back and I mean, there's nothing like it and it's awesome.
0: It it did have a sequel, um but the uh which was called Solar Boy Django or or Zoktai I think in Japan. Uh, did, did it come out? No, it came out in North America, but I never played that one. Uh, but it, it is a cool, unique game that is definitely worth playing. And, uh, and but again, I most of my memory of it is how bemused the gaming press was that there was a game with a solar panel on it that you had to play outside to get the most out of it. Honestly,
3: um, it's a gimmick that that justifies itself. It's for me, the game. I, I played this game emulated as well, and it was it's still cool, but. There is something about having to be outside, like, the physical world, interacting with your game world in that way. There's re- truly something there that um, works. Um, is is Baktai a Strand game? Uh, I don't even want to think about that. It's pure in my mind it will remain as such. But
0: I, I, I did allude to a game at the beginning of this episode that needed the backlit GBA SP really badly. And we did just talk about a Konami game about vampire hunters. You mentioned there was a lot of good Castlevania games on the GBA. So this is the awkwardest, most unnecessarily long transition ever to uh, talking about the three really good Castlevania games on the Game Boy Advance. Uh, Circle of the Moon, Harmony of Dissonance, and Aria of Sorrow. I mean, I don't know how to say this. All three of them are really good. If you like Castlevania and have access to GBA games somehow, you should play all of them. But uh, Circle of the Moon was weirdly a launch game on the GBA. It came out right in 2003, and uh, it's very poorly lit. It's hard to see details or even the sprites if you're playing on an old GBA. Uh, so, so like, getting a, an attachment for the old GBA or playing it on the SP is the way to do that one, but all three of them are real good. Uh, the, the the you know, um, the patron saint of Castlevania, Koji Igarashi, was only heavily involved in the second two, but, uh, uh, Circle of the Moon has really great boss and boss stage design. You're, you collect cards for special abilities that are sem- semi-random. Uh, Harmony of Dissonance H- it has uh, sort of floatier controls than the others, and you it's really only about collecting accessories and whip attachments, so there's not a lot, there's not a lot of uh, customization there, but it's still solid. And Aria of Sorrow is a, one of the really popular ones. Star is a character named Soma Cruz who uh, collects the souls of monsters and can, and it sort of becomes almost a Pokemon or SMT game and how you're trying to gotta catch them all in, in Aria of Sorrow. But all, all, three, all three are excellent, and were the beginning of a really good run of GBA and DS Castlevania games that went from something like 03 to 2010. Uh, it was just just a lot of fun, and Aria of Sorrow is probably my favorite of these three, uh, maybe my favorite of the, all of the handheld ones, but they're, they come very highly recommended.
1: I have never played a Castlevania game in my life.
0: Oh, Leona, <laughs> and, you, sorry. and and I even know that you love Konami games with vampires in them.
1: That's true, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Is this, is this a Suikoden spinoff? Is that what you're telling me?
0: <laughs> uh, yes, it totally is. And you, oh, you, 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 oh, you, aren't a you aren't a true Suikoden fan unless you play all of them, Leona. Oh, not <laughs> me okay, okay. You'll understand when you solve the puzzle after beating ten of them. Now get to it. <laughs> I can't
1: wait to beat Necklord again.
0: <laughs> but uh, joking aside, they're—I they're, um, mean—they're action-heavy and sometimes they're a little challenging. Uh, but the—I—I I, I think they're all really, really good and worth playing. Um, uh, Tina, have you played much of the Castlevania on Game Boy Advance?
2: Yeah, out of the Game Boy Advance ones, I've only played Harmony of Dissonance, but it I loved counts. it just because it was so similar to Symphony of the Night.
0: And actually, juice definitely has an anime pretty boy look to him. That's a little. Yeah. That's a little Alucardy. He's he's a little yeah. Alucardy.
2: Not quite as memorable as Alucard, but.
0: Um, minor spoiler. Alucard is a minor character in Aria of Sorrow. So if you wanna get a little oh, bit, dude. if you wanna get a little bit more out, um, well, look, his name is Arikado. Like, what are you, what are you supposed to, like, come on, <laughs> um, uh, like, if you want a little bit more Alucard in your life, playing the Aria of Sorrow for, uh. Uh, for GBA and then Dawn of Sorrow for DS which is a direct sequel that somehow changes the gothic art to anime art which I don't totally love but yeah. uh but, but that aside um all all three of the GBA ones are good um but, but my, my, like I
2: always my... love the original cover art I don't remember the artist name right now
0: Oh it's it's uh, it's Ayami Kojima Oh well they... Uh, I I, think I, don't, Ayumi or I, don't, something. I don't think she's related cool. I don't think she's related to Hideo Kojima but uh, yeah, she did um, the art for several Castlevania games, uh, including some for the Castlevania game in all but name, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. <laughs> but uh, but she did Aria of Sorrow, but not Dawn of Sorrow, which is why Dawn of Sorrow and Portrait of Ruin and some of the later ones have more anime-style art. But an- anyway, yeah, Castlevania games, uh, three really good ones on GBA with great art, music, and game design. So Tina, I think we're done talking about Castlevania. Although I'm never done talking about Castlevania, just as a person. Uh, what's one other thing from this list that we got to cover?
2: So let's go back to Sword of Mana. All right. Yeah. I just love this game. It's again a remake of um, the first game in the series, Final Fantasy Adventure. They changed the art style a little bit to like have uh, character designs inspired by Legend of Mana.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the art does look similar to Legend of Mana for this one.
2: Yeah, and they added a whole bunch of other things, like the little cactus.
0: Uh, so um, it was, no, like, it smart. does. It does bring back the little cactus from Legend of Mana, which, and the cactus is in the remake of Psychonauts three, also. Uh, the 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 uh, you know the, the 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 remake of Trials of Mana, because which wasn't in the original SD three. So yeah. I think the the cactus thing was a Legend of Mana thing that they brought into Sword of Mana, but I I don't remember his name because I've only barely started Trials of Mana. I've been too distracted by podcasting.
2: Yeah, and then I think. Um, in sort of manner, you could pick from either a male or female main character.
0: Right, and um, yeah. the in the original Final Fantasy adventure, adventure, you were there was only the male main character, and the female main was a bit of a damsel. But yeah. uh, they, they they but they rewrote parts of the story so that they have more of an equal role.
2: And again, just the graphics, I really love the graphics, all the scenery, like that crystal desert.
3: It's got that it's it's got that Sega and to look, definitely. It's just beautiful.
0: There was only so much. Uh, like art design, you could really communicate in the original Game Boy version. So, in for this GBA version with it, which is you know the GBA had you know visuals and audios that, and audio that could you know cross over what 16 bits could offer. So, the, like, like giving having the game's aesthetic fit more into what uh, the later Mana games uh, presented was really strong because I, I think that the look of the Mana series is just so colorful and beautiful. Adapting the first Seiken Densetsu game to that look was pretty successful because I mean I, this I thought that Sword of Mana was a lot more fun and playable than the Adventure of Mana remake that came many years later.
2: Yeah, like I, the dungeons are really different from what I, what I remember because I know in the Final Fantasy Adventure they had a lot of puzzles and it was more like Zelda a little bit.
0: So it was a more are the dungeons more like action scenarios in Sword of Mana? Both games have a lot of action scenarios and sort but and sort of yeah. Mana uh, Sword of Mana. Um, adjust the story to be a little bit uh, so, so that it fits the second protagonist better, um, and it does change the dungeons a little bit so they feel more contiguous instead of being just yeah. in, 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 or... instead of being like disparate squares. Uh, yeah. But but it's a pretty faithful remake. Otherwise, I mean, there, there's still the section of the desert and then the, the tower where you have a robot buddy briefly, and then uh, and then there's the uh, I forget his name in the sort of man, but there's the Dark Emperor and then Julius are sort of the the co-main antagonists. Uh, it's, it, it, this is a good adaptation of a mana game and I would say uh, maybe not as good as Secret of Mana or Second and Zetsu 3 which are two games I, I hold in extremely high esteem, but, but definitely a, a, wor- a, a worthy game and, I, and I, I sort of like the GBA version more than the than Adventure of Mana, which I think came out on oh shoot, I think like Mobile and PC and, hey, v- and mean, Vita uh, Vita had one, yeah yeah, yeah I'd, I'd have to look at a list but Sword of Mana is a really good remake
2: yeah, I, I think it's different enough from the original that it's worth playing both. It's pretty easy, too.
0: <sighs> I, I don't remember how hard it was. Because, I, I mean, original, I think it's probably easier than Final Fantasy Adventure, because Final Fantasy Adventure could get really tricky.
2: Yeah. I had with Sword of Mana was the final boss.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: I just remember that, that Final Fantasy Adventure, sometimes the hitboxes were understandably, and you know as you'd expect them to be, a little... Uh, difficult to predict.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, sort of Mana is a much more technically proficient and I think much more beautiful version of that story. But the but both the Game Boy version and the GBA version are are good games, and I and I would recommend either ahead of Adventure of Mana. Okay.
3: Or I mean, almost any Mana game after this, right? I mean, <laughs> it kind of took a nosedive.
0: <laughs> uh, well, mm. yes, okay. Um, for, for a while, Sort of Mana was the last good Mana game. Uh, <laughs> Because like I mean, the, like the good ones are sort of Mana and the four that came before it. Uh yeah. When when they tried to revive Mana in the mid two thousands, uh, the less we talk about Dawn of Mana and Children of Mana the, and Heroes of Mana, the better. But um, it's making a bit of a comeback because I think that Trials of Mana, the, the recent remake of SD three, is much more competent than those uh, bad ones. But but sort of Mana is, I think, one of the good ones for sure.
3: Yeah. Okay.
0: So let's see. Uh, I think everyone's gone twice. Uh, does anyone? Uh, so, who wants to go next and pick something?
1: Well, I think I should mention Golden Sun because, like the last, uh, <laughs> I did a whole podcast on uh, playing the first one. I still never, still not done the second uh, podcast on. Oh, really? The Lost Age. Yeah, I still need to get that done. Uh, but yeah, I love Golden Sun. It's such a such a throwback to the good days of RPGs, and it's. Got a really nice story, great characters, and really fun battle system. But most of all, I love the puzzles. P- the, the, puzzle
0: pu- the puzzles are so good in Golden Sun. And so it's good. It, it's not just dungeon puzzles either. Because um, all the characters have psychic powers. Yeah. There's puzzles in the nature of go around and read the minds of people in town to uncover a yeah. secret. And, uh, and, and the psychic powers that you use in, du- in dungeons, like do have some really clever dungeon puzzles and, and i think yeah. that uh, the gba was a, a time where budgets were lo- were low enough and uh, development time was you know uh, long enough that you could craft some really intricate puzzles that still looked good the, the puzzles in golden sun and golden sun the lost age uh, i beat the first one but never finished the second one i think i only made it about halfway through uh, are really really strong. Like like when when people complain about modern RPGs not having great puzzles anymore, this is yeah, the kind. Of, look at this game. Yeah, this is the kind of game that they'll throw back to exactly.
1: Yeah, this should be an example of what good puzzle making and RPGs are. Um, yeah, um, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it's such a, a unique game, but at the same time also feels like it's just a warm hug because it's everything I love about JRPGs all in one
0: game. And, and also, you get a um, you get a lot of character customization in this too, because you you uh, you find these um, uh, little you know goblin jin. yeah goblin looking spirits called jin and <laughs> but depending on what element of jin you in what combination you give to which character can sort of uh, transform their skill sets and stats in a way that's really fun to mess around with.
1: Yeah, never fully understood it, but did know enough to like <laughs> mess around with it.
3: And this game makes a really great first impression too, because uh, on the GBA screen, the battles, the battle scenes are pretty right. dazzling. It's got that that depth. It's almost like a pop up book look. It's um, it's you kind of see the action from behind uh, your party. I yeah, think, yeah, it's a a,
0: it is from a, the party, but it's not a high angle like you're seeing the backs of characters in a uh, in. I don't know in the Seven Saga or in a Fantasy Star game. It's like, it's like a low rear angle that. Yeah. Uh, that, that the chaining that... series. Oh yeah, that's, that's a good comparison. But it, it's yeah. a, a low angle that zooms in a little bit when a character attacks, and a lot of the graphics are these pretty, um, pretty um, spiffy-looking particle effects. So like uh, some like dynamic camera stuff
3: too. You mentioned yeah. it zooms in, but yeah, there's like the camera will pan or zoom or something a little bit. It's nice looking.
0: Yeah, oh, I battles
2: like good. Of... Wasn't this made by the same people that did some of the early Shining games?
0: Um, I, I thought it was made. I... By, wasn't it made by Camelot? Camelot. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so they did make the Sega okay. ones, didn't they? Yeah, well, Camelot is an interesting developer because the, uh, the the Golden Sun games are good, and they made a lot of Mario sports games after the Golden Sun games, and most of those are good. But they also made my least favorite RPG of all uh, my my least favorite Japanese RPG of all time, uh, Beyond the Beyond. So yeah. I, 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 I can't I can't I can't look at Camelot with only fondness. I'm afraid. <laughs> Beyond the Beyond is the worst, and if you somehow make me podcast about it, I may go insane.
1: Okay, so next podcast is Beyond the Beyond. Mother three Mother
3: Three is postponed.
1: Yeah, but please look forward to it. You have
0: no idea how genuinely I annoyed I am about this. I, uh, would about this side version.
1: I would I would be on that podcast just to hear you rant about it. It sounds great. And oh, also God. if we can do uh, like Kingdom Hearts afterwards. Oh I would love that. My <laughs> oh, boy.
0: <laughs> Well, they did already make me podcast about Kingdom Hearts, and I am much more likely to do five more Kingdom Hearts episodes than one about Beyond the Beyond. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so wow. anyway, if um if uh, if Golden Sun is the zenith of Camelot, uh, Beyond the Beyond is the nadir of Camelot, and please let's change the topic. <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay, next. <laughs> I can I can throw one here to uh, a a really strong personal favorite. Um, so Sting Entertainment makes these crazy, just wild boutique, uh, wacky, yeah, like boutique RPGs for usually for handheld systems. Um, for the GBA, they made Riviera and Iguirre Union, and Riviera. There's, it's cool. There's not a lot going on. It, it's mostly a game about mastering the battle system, and otherwise it almost plays like a point-and-click adventure. Yeah, where it, you kind it, of it, observe things in the environment.
0: It navigates like a visual novel, and it even has uh, the main characters are uh, four girls and one boy, and there's even the visual visual novel thing of character paths and getting an ending with the girl you interact the most. So it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a very anime, visual novel kind of game that I rolled my eyes at a little bit. Because there's a oh no I stepped into the bath with with her kind of scenes almost um, like, like there's like there's it's very cheesy yeah there, there, there's several of those but it's oh no
1: uh, I fell on top of you then I yeah. had to slap you
0: yeah but the and, yeah. Uh, and I don't I don't even remember the characters names I mean so I, I definitely identify them as boy Archer girl magic girl <laughs> witch girl and scythe girl yeah. a, scythe girl was my favorite. But the uh, so I, uh, she's the one I got the scene with at the end. But but it's a competent RPG with some pretty good battle system with it. But I think you're much more interested in eager Union. Definitely, it, mm-hmm. Riviera
3: has some atmosphere. You're like climbing these floating land masses attached by chains up to Valhalla or whatever. It, yeah. I mean, it's
0: cool. Yeah, the background art is cool, but it's, it, yeah, you, but you you don't really navigate it like a traditional RPG. It's, it's more like yeah, a kind it's, of.
3: Yeah, you like choose like as if it was a menu to go to different places or observe different things. And it, but, it, had a,
0: it was remade for the PSP and probably other systems where it looks a lot crisper.
3: Yeah. Um, but Yggdra Union is kind of came out of nowhere and became one of my favorite Game Boy Advance games. Um, it is a mixture of things I'm super interested in and things I'm totally not interested in. It's a card-collecting turn-based tactics game. Uh, where you the main protagonist is the princess of a kingdom that has been invaded, and she's forced to flee. And she teams up early on with a thief character, and they kind of agree to go together, and they pick up party members along the way. Um, and it's got this card-collecting mechanic, which is more of just like finish a mission, and you'll get a card. But the cards are cool because they each have uh, values to them. They have the, the main one is the movement value, and a damage value. And they also have some affinity towards certain character classes. And also they might have an affinity uh, to certain times of day or certain terrain types on the map. Um, And the way it works is you pick a card and among your whole entire party, you can move up to the number, the movement number on the card. So you move your whole team and you only attack once per turn. So you're not, move in a character and then attacking and then move your next character then attacking. Uh, But you move all the characters together and then you attack once per turn. You choose your attack and the enemies uh, operate similarly. And so uh, it focuses a lot on putting your team in formations and the person who initiates the attack determines the kind of formation and that is dependent on their gender. So a male character uh, when they attack the the formation takes the shape of i think an x this might be like yeah it takes it takes the shape of an x I think and if a female character attacks then it 's like a cross shape Vi- or vice versa something like that um, and so the the order that your character is attacking and the order of the enemies they encounter is determined by the shape and the makeup of the formations and uh and it has all the affin- all the the rock, paper, scissor elements you might expect from something like this or Fire Emblem where, like, spears are strong against swords, which are strong against axes, which are strong against spears, and there's different magic affinities and elemental affinities and whatnot.
0: Yeah, that's exactly like Fire Emblem.
3: And uh, so so the way, the way you line up your characters and how the enemy is lined up uh, as they encounter your party is, is really, really important. And then it cuts, just like Fire Emblem, to a, a side-on view of the action but you can either command your troops to be more aggressive, which depletes a bar at the top of the screen, or if you're, you do that by pushing the, the right arrow toward the enemy, and it, or you can let go of the D-pad, and then it's just like a normal attack energy. Or you can go back and like lay off the enemy, which builds the meter. And depending on the, the unit that's attacking and the card that's currently being drawn, if the meter is full all the way, you can unleash some kind of special attack or some kind of special move. Um, and so it's got all these wild combination of systems.
0: Yeah. This is, this is a really intricate combination of systems that I'm already not having played this game. I'm a little intimidated by (laughs) It's very intimidating
3: and it does take some time, uh, to, to figure it out. It's, it's a game that it kind of rolls out its encounters at a pace where you kind of catch up to the game as it's introducing new things to you. Um, but it's extremely satisfying and it's perfect for the GBA because it requires so much of that critical thinking and that kind of tactical mindset, but the maps are relatively small. They go by relatively quickly with relatively few combat encounters. So it's in a way it's very intimidating and it's, it's biting off a lot, but it also is bite sized in a way that makes a lot of sense for the format. Um, And I think, yeah, it's, it's not for everyone. It takes time to learn, which isn't usually something that's a guaranteed, you know, guaranteed to to click with everybody immediately. But it's so satisfying uh, once you figure it out. And most of that stuff becomes second nature uh, in a way where you can focus on the actual tactics. It's really neat um and the the art is by Sunahotobe, Hotobe, who does, does a lot of sting entertainment games yeah, so mm-hmm. all the characters and everything they're just lush and just really full of personality
0: the the r- art r- the art r- style of sting is is what uh i don't know if it's what draws me the most to them is but but it's something i sort of consider signature to them uh they yeah. they made a uh, a really mediocre PSP RPG called Hexis Force that i can't believe i i played two routes of but it's a uh, uh <laughs> uh at least at least had nice art that's consistent with um well, it's got nice art yeah it's got it's nice art store, right? we, we, And which is and that's not nothing You i mean you want the games you play to look good people that yeah. say graphics don't matter are lying because you know even if a game doesn't have advanced graphics it, it, it's a, it's a boon to have appealing ones
1: yeah i mean like maybe graphics don't matter but style matters yes
3: yeah um uh and the story of Victory Union is, is kind of straightforward, but it's nice. The characters are fun. Um, there's nothing too terribly ground groundbreaking about the writing or anything, but it definitely moves the action forward and it's engaging. Um but yeah, I mean it's a game that's pretty easy to get right now on the on the Game Boy Advance. Uh was it ported? Oh. Was it
0: ported to other systems too? I want I to. It's it on was. the PSP. Yeah, okay, yeah. To PSP. I think I have seen it digitally on PSP. That's might That might be how I own it. Yeah. I, th- I think it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: But it's such. It's. it's again. You know, kind of like we were talking about Bak Thai. Union is the kind of game you probably will never <laughs> see again. It's, it's a game that that's not going to come around very often, and it is very successful at what it tries to to pull off.
0: All right. Cool. Thanks for that. Uh, Pete, I, again, I was aware of Yggdra Union and had read about it, probably on enthusiast websites like RPGFan, uh, before I joined the website, but it, I was always a little put off by it just because of the complexities of it and because I was definitely not lacking other games to play at the time. But it does sound, it does sound interesting. It is the kind of thing where if I'm, you know, looking for a curiosity to play, uh, it's worth checking out because it's, I don't know, just because of that unique combination of systems, it definitely makes it a curiosity. But uh, we still have a lot of games to talk about, and I don't want this podcast to go on for three and a half hours. So, um, before we close, I definitely need to get some time off on Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga.
3: You can't be a GBA <laughs> RPG podcast without no. Much.
0: I, if I were to identify my favorite GBA game, I don't know if this is the answer, but it is a contender because I love Mario and Luigi. It's a. Uh, it kicked off a series of RPGs that I think is. Five or maybe six games deep now, but uh in, in all of the Mario and Luigi games, Mario and Luigi navigate through an isometric space with uh um Mario controlled with the B button and Luigi controlled with the a button or or vice versa because I mean you, you can have them switch which one is standing in front with uh, with the shoulder buttons and and adjust their skills as such but you use combinations of like uh depending on which brother is walking in front and whether they're commanded to jump, use a hammer, or use a fireball. All kinds of weird navigation tactics, like uh, Mario pounding Luigi with a hammer, which has him tunneling underground, or uh, Mario standing on Luigi's shoulders, which lets them spin and do a floaty jump. And so there's all kinds of real goofy navigation tricks in, uh, in the game, and that also communicate to battle, with each brother controlling with either A or B, and everything from timing your attacks to jump on enemies to when to defend against enemy attacks are, you know, just manipulating. I, I think it's A for Mario and B for Luigi, but I'm not. I'm less than one hundred percent sure. I'd have to. I'd have to replay this game, which I I am kind of keen to replay this game. I've tried to. I, I've <laughs> yeah. tried to. I've tried to get it to uh, appear on Retro Encounter before, but it's never. It's never. Uh, won the the staff poll. Um, it. it it's an extremely good rpg both for how the especially for how clever the combat and navigation is but also for just how beautiful and stylish it is this game is hilarious so like mario and luigi have the like speak in in semi-italian like gibberish (laughs) and uh and and my this isn't from the gba game but my favorite is when uh you you interact with baby mario and baby luigi and one of the uh in one of the DS games and Mario says babies in, in, in a way that, in a way that makes me laugh 10 times out of 10. There's some of most
3: expressive 2d sprites, like in any the RPG, there's so much fun.
0: They are. And, um, and Mario's perna- uh, personality is very straightforward and heroic and Luigi's personality is very good hearted, but cowardly in a way that they, yeah. they, they play like a, like a Japanese comedy duo or like Laurel and Hardy or something, or Abbott and Costello. Mm-hmm. They are hilarious together and um, the, the uh, and dude Cackletta and Fawful are really memorable bosses because they're they're so funny. It, like this is a well written, beautiful, colorful game. Uh, a freaking Yoko Shimomura soundtrack. Um, oh my. Yeah, and it, and it, she's done a lot of Mario soundtracks. She does most of the Mario and Luigi games, and she did Super Mario RPG. So she uh, Miss Shimomura gets around with uh, Mario RPGs to say nothing of her composing most of the Street Fighter II soundtrack and uh, a lot of Xenoblade. I'm not going to – but that's all she's done, I think, right? Yeah, that's all. That's all.
1: Well, yeah, that's mm-hmm. that was – yeah, that's everything, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh.
0: <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, a, a really beautiful presentation, uh, really good music, really elegant gameplay, just, like, doing – getting so much out of the just A and B button for uh, for action inputs and then yeah. L and R to switch whether you're using your hammer or jumping or, or fireballs and then just really inventive combat where uh, with everything from dodging to special attacks is done with just combinations of a and b that will make you feel like a superhuman when you pull off a, a really excellent bros attack or something
3: yeah sometimes it feels like tapping your head and rubbing your belly but like in a
0: good way yeah or the old one where you try to rotate your fingers in a one clock a one clockwise one counterclockwise
3: yeah. yeah, figuring out how the enemy's going to attack and which one to dodge, and I screw, I screw it up pretty often. But it's yeah, a lot.
0: and and sometimes they'll kick a shell at you or something, and it'll swirl to one brother, then the second one, then the first one again, and you have to and you have to jump at the right time and try to stop the attack by jumping directly on the shell. It's it's like it's it's clever implications like that, but just dozens of times. And it never feels old until you've beaten the game. And then they also, weirdly, you get uh, special accessories and abilities from the mad scientist from the uh, Luigi's Mansion games. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, Professor E. Gad. And, uh, and there were supposed to be Zelda, Metroid, and other cameos in this game, uh, but they, they were cut out at the last minute. So the uh, the cameos that you were supposed to, the accessories you're supposed to get from that, just all come from the bean collecting side quest that Professor E.Gad does, which is why like a late item is is like a random Metroid thing. Uh, again, Mario & Luigi Superstar Saga one of the best GBA games extremely inventive combat navigation and beautifully uh, well written and funny definitely worth playing, I have not crossed it off the list of it being a future retro encounter game because I, I am very keen to replay it I even have the 3DS uh, uh, port ready to go
1: the public are clamoring for it just as they're clamoring for Jade Kikun to
0: mm, yep, I'm not even <laughs> sure I would know of that game's existence if it wasn't for my friendship with the <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I think that's true for yeah, a lot of yeah, people
0: because of RPG fan and podcasting I never would have heard of Jade Cocoon 2 or Steambot Chronicles. Chronicles shoutouts Leona and Marcos but uh, I think we've gone through a lot of the list and I don't want to keep us here all night uh, Tina is there one thing left on the list you want to talk about
2: uh, I'm just curious if anyone else has played Onimusa Tactics
0: I did play
1: it Um, many 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 years ago and i really liked it. actually i remember being like oh this is a really good game
2: yeah it's like a tactics light it's kind Mm -hmm. of simple only one ending i think
1: Mm -hmm. it it, it seemed like a really competent game when i played it that's what i remember this is this isn't like a terrible anime spin-off game It's, it's it's like it's good yeah
0: I should love this game because it's Capcom and Samurai and a tactical mm-hmm. RPG, but I wasn't even aware it existed. It's, uh, like, does it fit into the larger Onimusha series? Is, is John Reno in it is the most important question. I played it without <laughs> even knowing what Onimusha was. So. <laughs> yeah, I don't
2: I know. Played the action games myself, but I understood the story, so I don't think you really have to play those. Okay,
0: no, I I've only happens. I've only played the first Onimusha game, and I know that Jean Reno is in the is in I think the third one, but that's about as deep as my knowledge goes.
1: Hmm, it's a cool look. it's got ninjas, samurais, tactics. It's great, great time
2: and it's not too long i think it took me like 20 hours so if you don't want like an 80 hour tactical game i think it's a good choice
0: Mm -hmm. you know that you're hanging out with uh game players and rpg fans when we casually say that 20 hours hours. is not not a long amount of time (laughs) like you tell me oh oh uh, i I only have to experience this thing for 20 hours oh that's a breeze that sounds great (laughs) that is probably crazy talk to uh, to a non-gamer
1: yeah like a triple a gamer like yeah like oh i paid 60 dollars for the 16 hour game worth it i'm like oh i was i was thinking
0: more like my parents like what do you mean you spent 20 hours on this thing you thought was just okay
1: So many games
2: I spent like 90 hours on and never finished them. Yeah, those, those, are, those are the
0: ones I don't tell my folks about. It's like, like, yeah. like oh yeah, this game is 80 hours and, and I did it four times. like, yeah, but...
1: That's how I feel about anime watchers when they say like, oh, I watched 300 episodes of this anime. I was like, did you like it? It was okay.
0: It's like you spent 300 episodes watching it. I don't think I want to tell you how many episodes of Japanese Power Rangers I have watched. Uh
1: that's your passion.
0: It is a passion. I I am a person of of diverse interests, which you've probably figured out by now listeners. But uh, speaking of diverse interests, um I think we're near the end of the episode, but the GBA library is so deep. We have not even we've only scratched the surface. Uh we, the, again, we only really talked about Final Fantasy 5 in detail, but there's also remakes of Final Fantasy 1, 2, 4 and 6. There there was 5 Mega Man Battle Network games for GBA, 2 Advance Wars games, um, Zelda: Link to the Past and Minish Cap.
1: Phoenix Wright.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, the Phoenix Wright games. I mean, I sort of know them as as uh, DS games, first, but yeah, but the, but they yeah. were but the first three were for the GBA first. Yakten Saiban one through three or Comeback Courtroom. Uh, I kind of and...
2: like the Harry Potter RPG too.
0: Oh, there was a there was a pretty good Harry Potter RPG. Yeah,
2: the Prisoner of Azkaban.
0: <laughs> All right. There
2: was a lot of card collecting
0: and stuff. Yeah, I think the time checks out. That that would have been. That would have been the first, yeah. That would have been the first half of the two thousands when the movie came out. So I'm, I'm sure that uh, that was that was intentional on their part. But uh, before we close the door, let's everyone just in in two or three sentences max talk about one other favorite GBA game we haven't discussed yet today. It doesn't have to be an RPG. I'll uh, I'll, I'll we can be pretty free about it. I'll go first to give you a few minutes to think. Um, Gunstar Superheroes is a GBA port that has... It's like half port, half remake, half expansion, which is three halves, I know, of, uh, Gunstar, he- of Gunstar Heroes for the Genesis. And that is just one of the best action-jumpy, shooty uh, games that has ever been made. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's early treasure, I believe. So uh, Gunstar Super Heroes...
1: Did that have a Sega version? Yeah, no Gunstar? It, it,
0: it, it, no. Gunstar Heroes is for the Genesis, and Gunstar Super Heroes is the GBA remake.
1: I played that. I loved that. It's the one where you could combine the two like weapon types together. Mm-hmm. and it, yep. Yeah, that was a great game.
0: Yeah, and uh, the GBA awesome. version has um, uh, some extra stuff. But it is uh, it, it's an excellent, excellent game. And anyone who has not experienced Gunstar for themselves, look at look up the GBA version. Uh, anyone else have something they want to contribute?
1: So I was thinking about what I played the most on the GBA that wasn't uh, like a direct RPG and I realized I played so much time playing Yu-Gi-Oh World Championship on the <laughs> GBA. Awesome. That was my favorite game <laughs> for a long time.
0: Peter Treesburg uh, really just stood bolt upright.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah, Peter is like, "Hell yeah." Uh, but yeah, it's like it's perfect for like me as a kid who hates social interactions. Like I want to play card games, but I don't want to talk to people. So let me just face off against the characters from the anime on this uh, game. And it, I loved it. I loved it. It was the Battle City one. I don't remember. There's like a few of these games. But the one in the GB I played was the Battle City arc.
2: Uh, I loved Kirby Nightmare in Dreamland. It oh. was a remake of the Kirby's Adventure NES game. Mm-hmm. Pretty similar with a graphical upgrade and I think some other little changes in the powers. But like, I just love that game. It was just so cute.
0: Made, Kirby's like, environment. Kirby's Adventure is one of the best Kirby games. And, yeah. a, and, and it was a pretty late NES game, so it looks really beautiful for an NES game. And the GBA version is excellent. Uh, yeah, yeah, 100% agree. Uh, there's an
3: amazing port of Wing Commander Prophecy on the GBA. Uh, the GBA, uh, they sometimes tried to do some 3D stuff. And uh, maybe the most successful... 3D engine game. They did, I mean, successful in the sense of like them pulling it off. Um, that not many people talk about is that port of Wing Commander Prophecy, which is a spaceship shooter game. Um, it gets a little tricky with the controls, but it's all there, the whole game. Um, you know, the cutscenes are converted to still images and text, but it's uh, 3D spaceship shooting. You know, big capital ships, uh, dog fights. It's, mm. uh, it's, a remarkable technical achievement on that thing. And it still manages to be kind of fun. I, I played it all the way through. so, nice. And, I, and that, that was after playing the PC original all the way through too. So. Yeah,
0: I, I know about the PC Wing Commander, but I, but I had no earthly idea there was a GBA Wing Commander game.
3: Yeah, uh, Prophecy was the post-3D card era Wing Commander game that came out on PC. Um, and they released support port on the GBA that's basically complete.
0: All right, and... I'm going to break my own rule because there's one more game I want to talk about. I can't believe I forgot about it. Um, one Again, one of the best GBA games full stop is Astro Boy Omega Factor, um, which is, again, Astro Boy uh, created by Osamu Tezuka, one of the first sort of mascot anime characters. And Omega Factor is a GBA game where it's it's part shooter, like part run and jump shooter and part uh, flying shooter, where Astro Boy... Is you know on a world-saving mission, but he interacts with characters from the entire Tezuka universe. So there's like he meets Jungle Emperor Leo, aka Japanese Lion King, ten years before Lion King, and um, and uh, Phoenix, and the characters from Metropolis and other stuff. But it's a really really good action uh, game with some uh, RPG elements. Astro Boy, Omega Factor, for if you if you want to you know not just play an anime game and learn some and get an anime education. <laughs> nice. But alright, if I'm cheating by bringing a Bastard Boy, a Mega Factor, on an RPG fan podcast where it's probably time to uh, get to the end of the episode. Uh, as we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, next week is uh, we're going to have a Mother 3 episode and then another one the following week. Uh, and I think I mentioned last week also, but in June we are doing two episodes on Yakuza 0. Um, is it an RPG? Is it not? We don't care. Uh, leave, leave that as a Facebook comment. But it's a game it's a game that several people on RPG fan are uh, are passionate about. And we're gonna have a I'm really interested to try my first real Yakuza game and uh talk about it next month. Listeners, if you wanna reach out to Retro Encounter directly, the best way to do so is to email retro at rpgfan.com RPGfan.com also has message boards, a Facebook page, an Instagram page, a Twitter page, a Discord server, and a Twitch channel with something streaming basically every day, and uh, also hosts three other fine podcasts, Random Encounter about randomness, Rhythm Encounter about RPG Fan Music, and Phoenix Edge, which is hosted uh, weekly and is mostly focused on current events. You can re- uh, review Retro Encounter on uh, and, and the other RPG Fan Podcasts on iTunes. Google Play, Spotify, or however you are listening to us, please provide any feedback you are willing to provide. So, uh, panelists, before we sign off for the day, let's uh, tell the listeners how they can reach us individually. Starting with you, Tina.
2: Uh, KittenSoft39 on Twitter.
0: All right, and Pete. Uh, Pete PeteBarbero1
3: on Twitter. Uh, That's numeral1. Or Regulation Gaming on Instagram. And Leona! Uh, you can find me as
1: Star Mongoose on Twitter and the RPG Fan Discord server. And I have a Twitch channel called Star Mongoose RPG Fan. I'm playing Final Fantasy IX right now, but by the time this goes on, I'll probably be on Final Fantasy VI.
0: Oh, excellent. And, uh,. Yep. I didn't know you were streaming FF6 next. That's that's great. Are you gonna, are you gonna, is it going to be the GBA version? Come on, uh, come on. Yeah, oh, oh really? Okay, that that's cool. Yeah, that's um, yeah, it, it's a great version. We I'm a little surprised you didn't talk about it, but there's just too many GBA games to talk about.
1: It was yeah.
0: And uh, listeners, as for me, you can find me on Twitter at the Real Monsoon most of the time at Evoker for Dogs. Other times, I also have a side podcast called Bravely Distance that I have been starting to update in May in earnest. Uh and if you want uh, yeah and uh Leona you are appearing on a future episode but I'm, I'm yeah that one is uh that one is not uh ready for prime time yet. And uh you can also find me on the Discord as Monsoon Mike and on RPG fans dead forums as Monsoon. Thank you Leona, Tina, and Pete for uh, joining me for this uh, GBA adventure. I have been getting very intimate with the GBA. I've been playing uh, Mother 3 for a, about a week or maybe just 5 days but there's a, there's a lot of good stuff around here it's a, it's, it's a definitely a console and a library worth exploring and uh, I, I think it's made a really good episode thanks for joining me thank you so listeners, thank you, good night and good luck <laughs>